Today is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Trump makes a big announcement. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Joining me, as always, to get through the news of the cray. It's a, it's a crazy world out there. News of the cray happening every day. Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire. What's going on, guys? Happy uh, hump day. Living the dream. Right. What's the coffee I mean, intake? What's the level yeah. at? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'd say a few glasses, cups, mugs. I don't know. You lost count. I lost count. A few, a few vats. <laughs> a few urns of coffee have been ingested today. Urn? Urn? <laughs> Isn't that what they call the big, you know, like the big tea urn or whatever? <laughs> I don't know, Trey. I think that's where they put uh, it's too cremated this. people. <laughs> you passed away. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma's urn is up on there. That's not where you put the tea. I mean, I hope not. I hope that's not what we're doing. This went off the rails very quickly here it's too on early a Wednesday. For this conversation. Yes, indeed, indeed. But there's a lot going on, a lot to get to. We'll talk about Trump's announcement, where things stand um, with the House and the Senate, and big things going on in politics, of course. On the main thing, what's it like to play the role of Jesus? Well, Trey spoke with someone who's doing just that right now. Jonathan Rumi from The Chosen stops by the podcast. We'll have all those things, but first. We are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Former President Donald Trump, just a week after midterms election, made an announcement last night. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. And Trump went on to say, I am your voice. The Washington establishment wants to silence us, but we will not let them do that. His announcement has been met with mixed reviews from conservatives this time around. He still has many prominent supporters, but not as many were happy about Trump trying to ding Governor Ron DeSantis just days ahead of the midterm elections when he called him Ron DeSanctimonious to tepid applause from the crowd. Meanwhile, former Vice President Mike Pence is making media rounds about his book and was asked about President Trump and his announcement, which he didn't think the timing of his announcement was coincidental as Mike Pence is on this book tour. But Pence was asked about Trump running and he said he thinks Republicans will have better choices in the future, but that the American people will decide. And Republicans are just one seat away from winning the 208 seats necessary to claim a House majority, while Democrats would need to win all 11 remaining races to retain control. And a Catholic priest in Ohio is thanking God after the car he was driving just missed being hit by an airborne vehicle. Incredible video over at CBNnews.com. All right, so we are going to go on to our next story here. And End Times authors Jeff Kinley and Todd Hampson recently broke down what could happen 30 seconds after the rapture. I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting thought exercise there, Billy. What did they say? Well, you know, pandemonium, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this idea that, you know, this idea that people, Christians, are going to be gone immediately. And for anybody who's watched the Left Behind movies or read the book, you have to really think about this. Like, you're a pilot. You're a Christian pilot. You're flying a plane. You're driving your car. You're teaching a class. I mean, all these people gone at the same time would create 
um, complete complete chaos, right? So so that's really, and that's obviously the, the obvious answer, but they go a little deeper than that. And um, they sort of talk about what exactly is going to happen in those moments, which is a culture completely basically imploded. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I mean, because uh, then I, you would think that a lot of people would suddenly realize like the reality of things if that actually happened. But um, it would be really fascinating. I mean, you don't want to be left left behind there, but if it would be fascinating to watch it all unfold. But what were the five words they used to describe how non-believers might react? Right. So you're picturing what happens to those people, right, who are gone suddenly. Yeah. And then you picture, okay, everybody else who's there in the middle of that watching that. I mean, picture being in your home, and obviously this wouldn't happen to us here with believers in our home, but people in your home are gone, people around you are gone. And so the five year the five words they use to describe it was shock, confusion, panic, terror, and chaos. And I think those are those are words that really are appropriate to what you'd yeah. be feeling as a non-believer because remember for believers, they're going to be gone, but there may be people who understood or heard the truth and maybe they didn't believe it, but they would know what was going on. But, but most people under the, under rapture theology essentially would have no concept of where everybody went. They'd be trying to make sense of it. Yeah. They'd probably think Thanos got the stones or something, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it'd be, be, they'd probably be more, more inclined to believe Marvel theology than uh, biblical theology. (laughs) Um, But what, what do they believe that the Bible says about the rapture? I mean, I know there's obviously several different, you know, end times views and how these things are going to unfold. But what do they believe the Bible says about the rapture? Yeah. So they believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. So before chaos and tribulation in the world happens, Christians are going to be rescued. They're going to be caught up in the air and they're not going to be here for the worst of it. Right. So there's all different theology on it mid tribulation that you're, you're going to live through some of the tribulation as Christians, but all this kind of ties back to Noah's Ark, right? Noah and his family being rescued from the chaos and the tribulation that followed in the flood, that this is a repeated theme, Jesus coming and rescuing humanity that we see and that this is going to repeat itself with this rapture before the end of days, before Jesus's, you know, second coming, right? The rapture is a separate event, according to, you know, Kinley and Todd Hampson. And they, they host this really interesting show called The Prophecy Pros, um, which is also worth listening to and checking out. Um, but, but what they say about this, and this is the important part, because we've talked about all the scary pieces, right? Yeah. You know, so far in this conversation, they actually talk about the fact that the rapture should not scare believers. Now, again, not everybody believes in the rapture, but for those who do, understanding that, that really God's return, Christ's return comes in two parts. The first, they said, is, quote, our blessed hope. And we see this in, in Titus, right, that the rapture is a hope that we can have, that you're not going to have to endure those difficult moments of the tribulation, and that it's something that rather than terrifying people should actually encourage people. And then there's the actual second coming, which would come after that, according to them. Yeah, this is, it's all very interesting stuff here. And, um, you know, obviously, Christians, we, we shouldn't really fear these things because, you know, uh, as you were saying there, I mean, we should trust in God and God's promises and that he is going to you know, call his, um, his followers to himself. And um, so it, it's interesting, though, to have these conversations, Billy. We just um, talked on faith versus culture um, uh, about this to uh, the Left Behind producer. And we got into all this stuff. And it is, it's, just, it's just, I think, helpful Regardless of where you fall on the eschatology scale, it's just a good reminder to think eternally uh, wherever you land on that. Yeah. 
and not to be overtaken by it, not to be obsessed right. with it or consumed with it, but to understand it's part of our faith and to figure out where you land on these things. I think that's important as well. These are not, now I'm going to say this and it might upset some people. They're not salvation issues, right? The rapture is not a salvation issue. People have different views on it and they can love Jesus and have different views on it. Um, now, again, some will disagree with that assessment, but it's not. It's, it's different from the core of our, of our faith. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is that it's a secondary issue. And I think it's it's fascinating to have these conversations. And I think it can deepen our faith. And it can teach us a lot about scripture. And I think it's great to, uh, to have these conversations among believers, because as the word says, iron sharpens iron. Uh, and I think these things matter, even if they are secondary issues, uh, they still matter to the heart of the Lord. So I think it's something that we should be interested in exploring and just realize uh, that believers of goodwill will disagree. And we can still come together with the foundation of the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, and the other reason we shouldn't fear is because it's all going to happen tomorrow and uh, the rapture is going to happen tomorrow and it's all going to be over. It's going to be <laughs> over just like that. No, seriously, though, it is, um, you know, not something. I think you're right, Billy, that it's not a, an essential. It's not a salvation issue. Um, and it's it's something that good believers of all different backgrounds and, and walks, you know, and similar walks will have differing views on kind of how they think it's all going to unfold. But I think that speaks to just the majesty of God that he has this incredible revelation he's given us in his word, in the Bible, that there are so many truths that are so simple and plain, but then the depths of it are just so grandiose and just uh, mind-blowing that that there are all these things that um, I think we're probably never going to fully grasp here on this side of eternity. Yeah, and understanding and being comfortable with that reality too, that there yeah. are some, it's okay to say, we don't know. You don't want to say we don't know to the core of the gospel, but to right. say we don't know to these other secondary issues, like what you said, Trey, I like the way you framed that, you know, that I think is okay. And you try to figure it out and you try to pull together everything you possibly can to come to a conclusion. But when you don't know saying, Hey, I don't know, I'm going to go research that and find out more. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Well, and it's good too to not be sorry before we go. Yeah. I think it's good to to be open when you don't have the answer, yeah. especially to your uh, to your non-believing friends and family members, because I think that humility is attractive to unbelievers to say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that question, but I know where we can find it. So why don't we study this scripture together, or why don't we look to this resource together, uh, and we can figure it out as we go along. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. And uh, I mean, I think um, that's a that's a way to act with humility. And to show that, yeah, I mean, we're not, we don't think we're God and we have, we know all of the answers. We know a lot through scripture. We know a lot of simple truths and a lot of uh, things that God has revealed through scripture. But then there are so many mysteries because of just the depth of you know, life and how things are and the, the vast, vast amount of things that there are out there to know that God knows and we're not going to know them all. So yeah, you're hundred percent right traded to leave that, to, to leave that door open so that you know, people aren't, aren't turned off by it. So, all right, thanks for bringing that one. We're going to head into our main thing. And what is it like to play the role of Jesus? Well, Jonathan Rumi's doing just that on The Chosen, and it's a very popular series. And season three is soon to come. And so Trey spoke with uh, Jonathan about his playing the role of Jesus, what that's like, what the challenges are, uh, and a whole lot more on today's main thing. Jonathan, so you play Jesus. Uh, you're the the big character in, in The Chosen. 
Strong supporting. Right. Strong, strong supporting, supporting role yeah. in The Chosen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so but you've been with Dallas Jenkins really from the beginning of, of all of this. Did you ever anticipate that The Chosen would become The Chosen that everybody uh, talks about? You know, you, you hope that uh, a, a series like The Chosen will, will get to a level of global recognition and professional recognition and, and, and spiritual acknowledgement from the people who maybe need to hear these stories more than anyone. But you, you never expect it. Mm. You hope, you pray for it, but you, you, you just don't know. Yeah. I mean, even now, I don't know what this will look like in season six or season seven. Mm. Uh, I think I have an idea, but I could be completely wrong, and uh, only God knows. So I, I'm just grateful to be living in the present, watching it develop, to hearing stories of people being changed and moved and inspired and uh, knowing that uh, my work as an actor um, in this particular program has an impact in a way that you know some of the other shows I've done out you know in, in Hollywood um, don't necessarily uh, have that same kind of impact. Mm. And you mentioned being prayerful on the uh, on the front end, like just just being open, like Lord, I hope you use this in a way yeah. uh, that's profound. How has that continued as a thread throughout the process of uh, as an actor of uh, depicting Jesus? What's the spiritual side of of preparation like in addition to the acting side? I think I, I have to. I mean, I start all of my prep for for this show with prayer and and even outside of this show, just prayer is part of my life, it's the part of the fabric of, of my life every day. And uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get through a day without prayer. So it's part of my identity, you know, it's, it's, it's part of my DNA. And, you know, I think that, I think in order to, for this show, for me to, to, to serve this show the best, I have to be as attuned to my spirituality and, and my commitment to to my faith um, above above anything else. And when I'm doing that, that helps me bring more of an authenticity to the character because all of these characters in the show, Jesus and the disciples and everybody that's connected to to the, the storylines. That uh, I mean, with the exception of the Romans, but the Romans have their own set of spirituality but um, they were all actively you know committed and participating in their faith in their faith life so I think that that's a huge part of, of what I do in, in service to the show and when the, when the source material is something as profound as it is yeah. like like scripture mm -hmm. uh, and the Bible how how have you put in place maybe spiritual practices uh, that can kind of help you in that process? Because I imagine there's a huge spiritual component even to just the practical steps of preparing for your role. Sure, I mean, every, every day I'm, I'm either reading or listening to the Word, so mm -hmm. I, I'm always, um, or listening to reflections on, on the Word, on the Gospel of the day or whatever, you know? So yeah. I'm always kind of staying connected that way because it is profound. It is profound in a way that people who've never read the Bible won't really understand unless until they start reading the Bible and then seeing that like that there's 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 uh, infinitely profound implications for for just reading and just mm -hmm. digesting it and and letting it affect your spirit and do you feel a weight as as a person when you know that that you your face has kind of become synonymous for so many people uh, with the character of Jesus do you, I mean does that weigh on you at all you know uh, 
there are times where I've been, where I feel a little overwhelmed, mm. but I don't feel, and I might even be contradicting myself in, in some in some ways, um, but I think it's because I'm just not, I just haven't, exp I haven't quite figured out how to explain it. I, I don't feel like a responsibility to be Jesus to people. I have a responsibility to, to, to play this role as authentically as possible, knowing that it will impact people in a way that only God can understand. I can sort of get the sense of it when they relate the stories to me. So somebody just recently, I ran to, into somebody, this a fan at the, in the parking lot, and they, they told me that the show helped save their marriage. Hmm. And I, I, I met another young lady a year ago who was going to commit suicide, and then somebody got her to watch the first episode of the show. And she was convinced that God loved her enough and so much that she didn't want to take her life anymore. Wow. And when you hear that, you're like, whoa, that's, I didn't do that. God did that yeah. through me and through this, this work, through this show. Mm. So in that, in that sense, I'm not responsible, but I do feel a little overwhelmed when people are looking at me as if I'm the, the, the 21st century personification of the relationship they hold most dear to their own hearts, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and how do you prepare then practically, you know, just logistically for, for your character, for, for portraying Jesus on the show, knowing how, how important it is for all of those reasons, and then getting down to something as, as you know, basic, even though it's complex, as the accent. Mm -hmm. Like, how is that something that you developed? So, um, again, for me, it starts with reading or listening to the Word. That's part of my prep. That's, that's the first thing I do in, in the day. So that's part of my practical uh, prep for the role, uh, as well as f you know for myself as a, as a human. Um, the accent comes from uh, 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 a combination of my father's accent and my his sister-in-law's accent. So his sister-in-law's from Palestine, my father's from Egypt. So I kind of mix the two. It kind of mush it together and, and it, it sort of it, the accent I do is essentially a light Middle Eastern accent. Okay, yeah. interesting. I want to ask too about kind of a, a side thing is you were working on Jesus Revolution yes. and working on The Chosen. <laughs> what was it like balancing these two you know, pretty big projects going on at the, at the same time? Well, I think for Jesus Revolution it's, it, it was really important that people not necessarily see me mm -hmm. as Jesus, right, or the physical personification of Jesus, but just in another movie with a different name. So I ended up losing 20 pounds. Mm. Um, I, I bleached my hair closer to the color of Lonnie. I play Lonnie Frisbee, the uh, pastor, a uh, hippie pastor, uh, preacher in, in the early 70s. And, uh, and so he, he was kind of a, a chestnut-colored hair, so I, I bleached my hair. I grew out my beard. He had a really long beard. I lost weight because he was a very slim build. He was like five foot five and maybe weighed a hundred pounds. Mm. A size five shoe. He was like he was a tiny guy, and uh, and so I'm six feet tall and normally 175 pounds, 180 pounds. So um, 
so I, I dropped down 155 pounds and, and wow. uh, yeah, and then just different mannerisms and um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because it, it, it will be a departure from what people are used to seeing me, this yeah. audience is used to seeing me do. Right, like having that duality of doing both, I think at the same time, I'm certain is, is complex. Yeah, I, I, and two weeks after I finished that, I went on to season three, so I had to right. quickly start eating again and <laughs> change my hair color again <laughs> and change the accent because Lonnie was American, and so, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, 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 it was tough to kind of do them one right after mm. the other. I don't know if I'd do that again. I think I'd need a little more space to kind of transition a little easier but yeah. uh but i wouldn't i wouldn't change it i mean it was it was uh it was a great experience and and i'm i'm just very grateful to, to have work so yeah absolutely well jonathan thank you so much i appreciate Thanks, it Jack. looking forward to both season three of the chosen and uh jesus revolution season three it's gonna melt your face off yeah, yeah it's gonna be great all right trey thanks so much for that conversation there uh i'm looking forward to watching season three my family and i've watched season one and two and it's been enjoyable. I know that there's Karens out there that are complaining. Everybody complains. There's always somebody that complains. You know, people, ah, that's not exactly how it was. It's good. You know, you get some of that. But I think you're going to get that on everything. So, I, you know, I'm enjoying it. I can speak for me. My family and I are enjoying it. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, and season season three, by the way, they're premiering in theaters. The first two episodes yeah. on November 18th. So, yes. it's like this week. That's yeah. great. I love it. I think it's a great. I think it's great. I think we need more things like it. Yeah, indeed. And I, I'm, I'm definitely going to hit it in the theater. That'll be definitely an experience. So, um, yeah, let's head over to John six for our one last thing today. And it says John six thirty five. Jesus said to them, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst." And so, I just a great verse that remind that makes me think of when we're searching for meaning in life outside of Christ, you're just always going to have that. You hear people talk about that God-sized hole inside that's just never satisfied, and it only is satisfied uh, through Christ, who here says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Yeah, and so many of our cultural conundrums and issues are because people are struggling to fill that void, yeah. right? And I mean, that that plagues everything from our politics down the line, and so it's important for us to, to recognize that in our own lives and also collectively. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the, we have life because Christ gave us life because God gave us life, right? He's the creator. So as his creation, the best solution to any problem is always to go back to the creator uh, because he has a, a role and a purpose uh, for all of us. Absolutely. That's a great place to leave it here on this hump day. Hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Friday Junior is imminent. It's inbound tomorrow. And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise on us, we will be back here tomorrow with more of the same. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. What are you waiting for? We love having you here every day. If you subscribe, they remind you of all these great features. It's phenomenal. God bless. See you back here tomorrow. <laughs>